Now, Dave Kaufman hosts The Kaufman Show with Dave Kaufman, but also Jay Farrar. The Kaufman Show, only on TSN Kaufman show you know it from the song <laughs> we got deadlines to meet it's the Arkells bringing us in as they always do welcome one and all Mr. Farrar how goes good yeah that's right <laughs> passive aggressive introduction to the Kaufman show yeah that's right yeah, that's right that's, that's it no it's a confident introduction to the Kaufman show that's what I think it great is. that's what I think it is we're ready we're to finally rock. figuring out the groove of starting with game night OT and then transitioning. Yeah. It, it took some time to to make it work, but I think we've got it going on now. It's game night OT with a Kaufman Ferrar flavor. That's right. That's all it is. That's right. It's, That's it's, all it is. It's like tailgating before the football yeah, game, I'm not right? ashamed of it. <laughs> <laughs> Nor should you be. Okay. <laughs> if you can talk, you can talk, Jay. Come on. Okay. You know, and um, the football analogy is apt, and rarely do we discuss football on our show, but I, you've been leading with the story of the, the head coach being hired by the Owls. Yes. And you haven't been talking about the subplot that I think is really fascinating. Yes. Which is that Jim Pop has said nary a word since this uh, came down today, and supposedly he's not going to be a part of the conference call that announces the coach, and 
Since when is that how you introduce a coach to the media and to on the a city? conference call? On a conference call, what would happen if the Montreal Canadiens introduced their head coach via conference call with the GM? Supposedly, RDS is reporting that Jim Pop had nothing to do with this decision. Okay, I and think, I think I, we can say I think Randy Cunningworth was introduced on a conference <laughs> call. Actually, I'm pretty sure he was actually driven in under a bus. Yeah, right away it was started under Poor a bus. Guy. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. I'm sure uh, he's much happier now. There is some sort of odd dynamic going on behind the scenes, and it's going to be very hard for us to comment on that because we're not there. Right. Uh, you know. You know. You and I, Dave, are not the two kinds of guys to start commenting on what 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 may or may not be happening behind of the course. scenes. No, but I just I too find many it people very, do that. I find it very weird. That's all. That's really all that it is. It's perception is everything. Right? What are the facts? The facts are like you said. Jim Pop did not announce it. It actually, I mean, there wasn't any official announcement. Sure, you know, the the news often gets leaked, but his name is not mentioned anywhere that he even made the decision or that he hired him. Second of all, we have a live uh, conference, and uh, you know how much Melnick loves those phone conferences and, and actually the rest of the radio station. Very difficult sometimes to, you know, there's a lot of sound issues and, people chewing and merry, <laughs> merry-go-rounds going on in the background. And that's another weird. This is a major sports team in Montreal. It's the only other major sports team besides the impact that we have. And uh, they're doing it over the phone. Well, what if I told you that uh, I see now that Jim Pop released a tweet Oh, uh, about an hour and a five minutes ago. Okay. Welcome to the Alouettes family, Tom. Tomorrow is your day. Looking forward to working with you and putting a championship team on the field. Okay. A little better, right? A little bit better. There's uh, an awkward spacing between Tom and tomorrow. I feel like he, he, there's like three space bars in there. Maybe he <laughs> got rid of a swear word or something. But <laughs> You think I'm being he too He pressed critical? the Twitter dump button. You, you think I'm, that's it? That's yeah. it. Yeah. He got rid of whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, um, I just find it weird. The, the, the phone conference call, the conference call is yeah. really, really weird. Now, which, which team- is in better shape right now, the Alouettes or the Impact? Because they're both on three coaches in one year, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's a great question, you know. And the Canadians are barely on one in two years, so yeah. You know. But they have a Norris Trophy winning defenseman and a gold medal winning goaltender and a gold medal medal winning Norris defenseman. Don't get me wrong. This is the trend in professional sports now, isn't it? What when all goes wrong, you blame know, the coach. It's the coach. You don't see coaches. You know who's the last guy? Lindy Ruff. That's the last guy that you're going to see there who's going to be there for forever. You know, used to see coaches all the time be coaching the same team sometimes thirty or forty years. Like Tom Landry, like, and Connie Mack, Tom yeah. Landry, Connie Mack. You know, uh, it's it's you're not going to see that anymore. The the blame is always going to fall on the coach because obviously the owner. I mean, and then secondary is going to be the GM, but the owner is not going to blame himself. Who's the longest running coach in the Big Four right now? That's a great question. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, off the top of my head, I, I'm not sure. I, I would have gone with um, Jim Leland or Bobby Cox, but they both retired. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they might have been up there. Jimmy, if you I could check on that. I believe it's Barry Trotz, Nashville Predators. Barry Trotz? He's been, he's been wow. there since the inception of the team, hasn't he? Okay. He's the very first head coach in franchise histories, and he's still there. I was going to say Barry Trotz as well. Well, Jimmy Or as I like to it. call him, Edward G. Robinson. <laughs> Man. Man. Man, the coach, you see? Yeah, I've been a coach for a long time, you see? <laughs>
Um, just for any of you, uh, we had Dave Bedini and we had Josh Usheroff on the show before. And if you missed it, you can check it out at thecoffmanshow.podbean.com. It will be up a little bit later. Fascinating conversation with uh, both of our guests so far tonight on Game Night OT. Yeah. Dave was, uh, I wanted to talk hockey with Dave and we ended up talking... Like I said there, it was kind of like dunking my face into cold water and going back to reality. And there is this sunny, wonderful, warm glow that I have associated with the Olympics. I was incredibly nostalgic over the last uh, two and a half weeks for my experience four years ago. And a lot of that betrays the talk that we've had over the last two years about just what's going on in Russia. And I well, thought it was a very. I was happy that Dave kind of snapped me back to reality a bit. He he did he did. And but this has been weighing on my mind the entire time because you know how I am. I'm very cynical and I get upset about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But it, it, this is it's it's all it's all in the the person who's watching it. It's it depends the on eye perspective. Of the beholder? It's the eye of be- the beholder. I didn't want to use it, but you you made me use it. Sorry. Um, it's it's all about how you interpret the the Olympics. Are, do you see it as a political event? A lot of people say, well, it is a political event. You have a bunch of people marching around with their flags in a ceremony at the beginning of it. Or do you see it like I try to see it as a story about the individual? It's not really about countries and medal counts. It's about the individual in each sport, the stories that come out of there, right. the drama, the defeat, the victory. That's how I see it. Because if you're looking at the ceremony, my first word when I was watching the opening ceremony, as I was watching, it was not, wow, or look at that, isn't that great? It was bullshit. That yeah. was the first thing that I said. Yeah. you know. And that's when they, they, they skipped the entire first half when it came to Russian uh, history. You know, yeah, and and I think that Canada did something similar in their of opening they did. ceremonies, of course they did. and and at least in Canada's closing ceremonies, there was a moment of silence for the person who died during the Olympics, and right, we will remind people that nobody died in Russia, so they beat us one to nothing there. Yeah, um, let's go to uh, let's go to the phones five one four seven nine zero one six ninety one eight six six eight nine six two five four six. Let's go to Chris in the West Island. Good evening, sir. Yeah, hi. How are you doing? Very well. How are you? Not bad. Um, by the way. <laughs> There were definitely people that died in Russia. We just haven't heard about them yet. <laughs> wow, could be they're off at the Gulag in uh, in uh, well, Siberia, and also right? Everything else that's going on. Um, <clears throat> by the way, when it came to the coaches, Don Shula. Oh yeah. Like we were talking about, like coaches that lasted forever mm-hmm. and uh, really marked like a team and so on. Oh yeah, they, I mean that's still he's the iconic coach of the of the Dolphins. Uh, I'm sadly I hate to admit it, I'm a Dolphins fan. Yeah, and... no, me too. <laughs> oh, dude, uh, I, I was like... So this is what it sounds like when doves cry. I yeah. was 13 years old uh, when um, Dan Marino came on the scene. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. I mean, I was much... I was fairly younger than that, but I, uh, I no, was... No, it, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> you, you can pretend to yourself whatever age you are, but... You I'm know, 33, like, so I, I remember Marino in his prime. Yeah, yeah. No, but uh, I started playing football just because of, you know, and... Um, I ended up a running back because I couldn't throw worth, you know, <laughs> darn. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, yeah, no, uh, this, this to me, um, this Olympics was really marked uh, about we were all told something nasty would happen, mm-hmm. and it didn't. Uh, there was an awful lot of nice things. At least in Canada, that's what we were told. Now, what happened to the locals? Well, what do you we'll, mean? We'll find out. No, I'm saying like, you know, ecologically and uh, economically and so on. 
Um, it definitely was safe for the locals. Yes. And we, we've heard nothing but nice things. Good. But even, you know, even when it happened here in Vancouver, it didn't sound as smooth as it did here, right? Well, I think, uh, there. I mean, for instance, every journalist I've heard talk about their Olympic experience so far has been raving about how wonderfully smooth the transportation was. And I don't know if that's the be-all, end-all of, of an Olympic Games. I can tell you that I was involved in transportation at the Olympics in Vancouver, and it was a mess. There were there were all kinds of, of logistical snafus that made things a lot harder than they had to be. And anytime you're running an operation that huge and you're outsourcing some of it to this There's company and you're outsourcing problem. some... I remember one of the things that, that absolutely tripped me out the most when I was there was that one of the companies of uh, bus companies that had been hired was from like Alabama. Okay. And they drove all the way across the country to get to British Columbia and drove up into the mountains and realized that they had not done those types of roads before. Yeah. And I thought, wow, like that's an example of, of you're looking for the cheapest bid. And I thought that was insane. Now, maybe things were done better transportation-wise in Russia. It's a more rigid society. Perhaps the Olympics are better suited to more rigid societies because... When you rule something with an iron fist and you terrify the population, things get done. Did did you just hear what you just said? When you terrify the population, the things get better done. I'm well aware of what I just said. Okay, I uh, I'm, I'm I'm being partially facetious here. Yeah, of course. But I'm yeah. also not wrong, right? No, no, I, I agree. It I doesn't agree. make it good, but... No, 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 listen, uh, Stalin said I can move a street if you like me to. There you go, yeah. there you go. And, and you know, Sochi was basically just Stalin's, uh, is it Dasha? Is that how they pronounce it, or no, Dhaka? It was, a, no, actually, it's a Potemkin village. Yeah. Was the term. Yeah, exactly, and, and Stalin loved it, and, now, uh, and then Putin had a, a villa there as well, and said, hey, I really like this place, let's make it a ski resort, and... Lo and behold, it became a ski resort. Do you have an issue with the Canadians, uh, like, greeting them warmly? K- kind of, but I get how people get lost in a moment. Oh, and and totally, I don't think... Totally, I hear you. I hear you. You know, like, like I feel I've like... I've been an athlete in the past. Well, but hold on. Let me, just, let me just... Canadians have been doing it since the 30s. We heil Hitler in the 1930s parade coming yeah, in for no, the Olympics I, I wasn't in 1936. Gonna, I was going to go a little bit more recent and say that... Um, that's I can, a really good point, by the way. Yeah, we have been doing it for a long time. Well, yeah. and, and unfortunately, it's part of that mix between politics and celebrity, and and which is unfortunate. And when somebody all of a sudden you know comes upon you, and you're like, uh, "Gee, it's that guy." Well, I said it to Dave Bedini at eleven at eleven fifteen that if you know people in Cuba, if they saw Fidel, they'd try and take a picture with him. Yeah. And and probably myself included. And then I afterwards think about how terribly he treats journalists. But yeah, no. Um, by the way, there's one point I want to make. And, and sorry, there's just the, I'll, I'll let you make that point. But also, George W. Bush went to China for the 2008 Olympics and took pictures with every single person there was. <laughs> there's that iconic there. picture of and him. That's with a lot the, of people in China. There's the iconic <laughs> picture of him. At, yeah, that's 1.3 billion people. That's like, a lot of that's a lot of Instagrams. It's okay, he he had the time. He no. wasn't doing anything else. But believe there me. Is one point I want to make. Sure. Okay, it's in the 1930, whichever it was, uh, in, um, in Germany. 36. Right, thank you. Um, right when uh, the black 
black athlete from the stage. Jesse Owens. Yes, thank you. Right when he had failed twice to do his long jump, a German walks up to him, a guy named Lutz. Look it up, by the way. I will. Yeah, please. Um, Lutz walks up to him and goes, you might want to try jumping an inch ahead of it because your jumps are unbelievable. And off went, and he did it. That's pretty cool. That's and pretty cool. Lutz, like, and Lutz was like a, you know, a small, strong, stout German, right? Chris, I'll check it out, and I want you to check out uh, an HBO documentary called Glickman. We had the director oh, on. Oh no, Glickman. Yeah, no, I know him. Okay, and well, you know that he gave up. Uh, he was forced to give up his spot. He was forced to. Yeah. For Jesse Owens. Exactly. Chris, please call in anytime, man. Really appreciated your call. Yeah, I can't call again tonight, but you know, I'll call again another time. <laughs> we'll be on next Monday. You can call then. Yeah, don't, or, uh... don't call again tonight. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. We're going to uh, take a quick break, and then we'll be back with Torben Rolfson, our resident comedian, Van Guy. Yes, Jay? I, I didn't want to imply that Canadians just heil Hitler when, you know, I mean, it was a different time back then. Obviously. Obviously. Before you start sending me emails and angry messages. On Twitter and Facebook. Send it to 1310 Green Avenue. Yeah, do that. <laughs> Number 301, TSN. No, uh, the team, 990. <laughs> now, Dave Kaufman hosts The Kaufman Show with Dave Kaufman, but also Jay Farrar. The Kaufman Show, only on TSN 690. Welcome back. Good morning, everybody. It's the Kaufman Show. Yes, Jimmy? Oh, you give me that look, but like you like what I'm doing, and I'll take that any day. Jimmy's favorite song. Let's ever. welcome in our uh, our next guest. He is the Sorry. resident comedian on the Kaufman Show. Joins us every Monday with his sports-tinged brand of humor. You can follow him on Twitter at VanGuy, and now we know what Torben Rolfson looks like because he changed his avatar. Hi, Torben. Dave, Jay, how's it going? Hold Good, on, man. Hold How on. are I'm, you? I'm looking at your... Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God almighty. How do you how do you turn off Firefox? <sighs> it was time for Amy to take a rest. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Really good. Really good. Good. Yeah, what's, what's, what's new and exciting? Well, you know, I've been watching the same stuff the rest of the country's been watching. Yeah, well, it's cool that we all get the same channels that way, huh? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, that fan at the Canada-Latvia game Wednesday night in Bolshoi, I used to wearing blackface. Oh, God. Uh, only two reasonable explanations. Swam in Black Sea or washed face in Sochi hotel bathroom. Oh, that's <laughs> good. That's good. That's pretty good. Gotta, gotta think that was a plant. Probably a Cossack. <laughs> a Russian spy. <laughs> Olympic hockey crowds have some of the goofiest outfits this side of Renaissance fairs. <laughs> The luxury suites at the Bolshoi have single-seat toilet stalls. Well, thank goodness, right? I mean, those, those doubles were a little intimidating. That's what you If you're for. shy, I mean, that's just, that's intense. Yeah. 
Uh, but you know that wolf in the athlete's village uh, hallway? It was revealed to be a Jimmy Kimmel prank. Yeah. So was the men's bronze medal game. Oh. <laughs> Too bad that uh, wolf wasn't real. David Booth almost got the last-minute call to Sochi. <laughs> Famous hunter. Booth caught an alligator in Orlando over the break. It's the first thing he's gotten into a net in a while. <laughs> And Russia announces they're no longer going to send animals into space on dangerous test flights. They're going to use their hockey coaches. Boo. There it is. Sending a bill to space. John Tortorella was rooting for Sweden in the final. As usual this winter, the team he was hoping would win didn't. <laughs> and I found out why Canada had such a tough time against Latvia. The only scouting footage they had on them was an old VHS tape of Archer's Irve. <laughs> Weird officiating in the women's final. Having a Brit referee a gold medal hockey game is like getting Johnny Weir to produce the SI swimsuit issue. Nice. <laughs> and wrapping up, the women's final was my favorite event of the games. Once in a lifetime thrills, a super positive performance by Canada Post and an MP. <laughs> Dorman, that's awesome. That post was, uh, that was something else. That was, uh, it allowed us to make all of the inanimate carbon rod jokes that we wanted for like 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, I'll, I'm with you on that. That was my favorite moment of the Olympics. That was the moment where I, um, where I lost myself the most, where I was just the most excited and the, like as, as far away from, I'm happy I wasn't in studio because I would have been shouting and yelling and screaming at the TV. It's an instant uh, piece of uh, Canadian hockey lore, as they say. Yeah, and, and a better game uh, from yeah. a television viewing perspective than any game that the men played. Yeah, pretty, yeah. Which allows us to say you play like a girl and have it be a compliment from here on out, which is great. That's right. We're moving forward. Damn straight. One small step at a time. Yeah. What's going on this week, Torben? Uh, I'm at the Weston Bayshore, I believe it is, on Wednesday night, and I've, uh, I'm, they've asked me to speak at a health conference, even though I have nothing to do with health. Well, I, <laughs> I'm, uh, Thanks, I'm, Jimmy. yeah, I'm looking at your picture now, Torben, and I couldn't agree with you more. Oh, amazing. <laughs> amazing. Well, it could be a do as I say, not as I do type thing. That's right. And I feel like people in BC are inherently healthier than us. Uh, they have their reputation. Well, they're the, the outdoorsy stuff, right? Yeah. I, I mean, ca it counterbalances with all the sweet, sweet Chiba, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Torben, thank you so much for your time, man. All right, thanks, guys. We'll, uh, we'll speak to you next week. Follow him on Twitter at VanGuy. That's Torben Rolfson. This is The Kaufman Show. Yes, Jay? I'm just trying to figure out who he looks like from his... Oh, I'll take a look, uh, too. We'll decide. I'm thinking we'll, uh... a cross between Andy Richter and Michael Keaton. That's what I'm thinking. Wow. Yeah. Now you have to come up with, like, the Benefer name for that. <laughs> it's The Kaufman Show. Jay's got an update. We'll be right back. Now, Dave Kaufman hosts The Kaufman Show with Dave Kaufman, but also Jay Farrar. The Kaufman Show, only on TSN 690. What, Jimmy? You give me that look like you like this. Sonny Bono, the late Sonny Bono, wrote this song. 
It's a very good song. It's his favorite song. Yeah, it's his favorite song. Welcome back. Good morning, everybody. It's the Kaufman Show. <laughs> Dave Kaufman, Jay Farrar. Jay, I want to talk a little baseball now. Okay. Um, and once again, we'll keep it a little bit political. I don't know if you've been noticing on Twitter, but just about every team in spring training has been tweeting out photos of players holding up signs saying the word paz, which means peace in Spanish. And they're all praying for peace in Venezuela. Have you seen what's going on there? Yeah. Well, we, we don't hear much about, you know, I mean, finally, the Ukraine is, the, you know, I, we knew for weeks and weeks and weeks what was going on in the Ukraine. but Yeah, but to a lesser know, extent. To a lesser and, extent. And, but, and now it's Venezuela as and well. And now it's Venezuela, exactly. Yeah. And and good on Major League Baseball players for putting that into the forefront, into the limelight, and, and showing a whole bunch of people who wouldn't know what was going on, that there's something major going on and it's concerning to all of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, I, I've definitely been keeping a closer eye on Venezuela since I've been seeing the uh, the grassroots support from Major League Baseball players to uh, to try and improve upon the situation there. And um, God, it looks like a, just a total mess. Um, uh, once again, an iron fist ruling uh, ruling over the people. And I remember going to the World Baseball Classic in 2009 when, obviously, Chavez was, was still in power. And the fans were so, they were for the Venezuelan players, but they were so against Venezuela and the government. Mm-hmm. And there was a foreign minister, I can't remember, maybe the Minister of Education or the Minister of Sport for Venezuela, came to Toronto to throw out the first pitch at one of the games. And wow, is she mercilessly booed, like lustfully booed, terrible booing. Like you, like I've never heard at a ball game, like in the Simpsons when they have the head of the communist party throughout the first pitch, like it was that bad. And it kind of was exactly that. And the whole time she's waving and doing like that, that Queen Elizabeth sort of hand wave as she walks off. And it was because obviously they're going to play it in Venezuela on the news but they're not going to have the audio. No, the audio so is going to change. Right. It's just going to look it's, like, yeah. you know, minister whoever was there. and Yeah, it's um, going to be the, the 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 laugh track from Fresh Prince of Bel Air or something. It's just going to Maglia- change the whole thing. Maglio Ordonez was one of the players, one of the stars on that team, who was not being respected by the fans because he's always stood by the uh, the Chavez and, and those, um, I don't know what the word is, the, the Chavistas? I'm not sure what it is, but the people who support who supported the late Hugo Chavez and he's now a mayor in, um, I believe, a suburb of Caracas. So um, I don't think he's on the good guy's side. No. Which is interesting for the dude who made $16 million a year. I find it a little, a little odd. Well, it is, eh? Yeah. It is. Yeah. To take that, I guess it's easy for him to take that view. I Maybe. mean, they're, they're obviously very far left. Maybe. One of my lasting memories from that was... Um, uh, of course, former Expo, Andy Chavez. And every time he would come up to bat, the crowd would yell, NDC, Chavez, no. NDC, Chavez, no. <laughs> Which I thought was so cool. That That is a clever chant, isn't it? <laughs> 514-790-1690-1866-896-2546. Let's go to Travis in North Carolina. Good evening, Travis. Hello. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thanks um, for calling in, man. already. Pardon? I missed the Olympics already. I missed the Olympics. You missed the Olympics or you missed the Olympics? I missed them. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you had them on NBC, so they're not just re-airing them now? 
No, although oh. well, I, was, I was making a joke to friends during the Olympics that if, if aliens invaded the Earth and started to destroy it and all of humanity, NBC would take away it. Well, yeah, because you got to show Days of Our Lives, right? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's funny you mentioned the, problem, the problems in Venezuela that they're having uh, compared to what Ukraine's having at the moment. And uh, all the, the politicalization of sport and the fact that people don't, again, always don't like to talk about it. They always want to ignore it. And the... Western media, particularly NBC, was very, very good at only talking about it for five or six minutes at the absolute most here or there. Bob Costas on late night, you know, not talking about it in front time. Yeah. And, you know, North America, particularly the U.S., has a whole lot of blame to be placed on for the problems that, that Latin America has. And uh, it's uh, it's ugly. It really quite, is. Quite ugly. And... and much more in our backyard than what's going on in 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 Ukraine. I was corrected. I don't know why I I have been calling it the Ukraine for as long as I can remember and and I was very sternly told this week it is it's not true, yeah. it's Ukraine. Ukraine. It's yeah. like yeah. Skydome. Yeah. It's not the Skydome. Well, you remember the scene from Seinfeld. Pardon? You know you remember the scene from Seinfeld. Well, if, that's, that's right. Yeah, and you know and and how many times have I stopped myself from making that crack this week? Yeah. Um, Ukraine is strong, right? Well, it, it will be someday, I'm sure. I hope so. I hope so. And, then, it, of course, and reading into that, there's a whole other side of that that um, I encourage you all to read more about um, both sides and then maybe say a little prayer that a third side will come in and save that thing because that situation is an absolute mess. It's no an kidding. absolute on mess. Side, the, the, the Putin types who want nothing but slavish devotion to the, to the Putin and Russia to separate from the EU almost completely and, and, and isolate themselves from the West. And the other side is sort of slavish devotion in the exact opposite, right. you know, smiling cheerfully. Oh, the EC is fine. Nothing could possibly be wrong with the American Union, which is neither of those things are true. Meanwhile, uh, Ukraine is one of five countries in the running for the uh, Olympics after Pyeongchang. Yeah. Which I is very interesting, including places like China and Kazakhstan and the the type of country who now wants an Olympics is very different than the type of country that used to want an Olympics. Yeah, well, previously, when you look at um, Olympics in the last decade that were held in um, repressive states that are uh, governed poorly and don't respect human rights, and you think of Beijing, Russia, Salt Lake City. <laughs> well. Oh, man. And you know what was interesting this week? There was uh, Réjean Tremblay in the Journal de Montréal had an interview with uh, a gentleman whose name I wish I could remember right now. Maybe you can look it up for me, Jimmy. Um, just type in Réjean Tremblay, Sochi, and Quebec City, because the interview was with an IOC executive who is uh, a Canadian, along with Dick Pound, one of the high-up high Canadians at the IOC. And this guy was saying that Quebec City should be bidding for an Olympics, but they should do it in a different way. They should try and do a joint bid with either Lake Placid in yep. the States or with Lake Louise in Alberta because there's nowhere to ski. You can't do the downhill. Yeah. Yes, Jimmy. It's uh, The IOC executive's name is Walter Sieber. Walter Sieber. Thank you. Yes. And Walter Sieber has been involved in, I believe this was his 22nd Olympic Games. He ran the Olympic Stadium after the Olympics. He ran the OIB. Um, yeah. So obviously a very accomplished individual. But he thinks that Quebec City should bid for the Games, but shouldn't do things like shouldn't spend more on needless or useless, I don't know if that's the right word, infrastructure, it's, 
Why have a third bobsled course in this country? Well, that's the thing. There is room for a, a Olympics, a, a game that is ecologically responsible, that's responsible to the people and responsible to the needs of people who need money from government, which don't include construction companies. Right. And I think that there's something to be said about repurposing. I mean, Berlin uh, wants to bid for a game, and we use all of its own infrastructure. Huh. Uh, you know, um, Munich, not, not Berlin, pardon me. Um, and there's something to be said about do we need extravagant $50 billion spent on these micro cities, which will, if not turn into complete disrepair within, within a year, be woefully underutilized and require yet more expensive refurbishing when they are used for some kind of international sporting event. Right. It just seems so remarkably wasteful, and particularly in, in, in the West, uh, where the name of the, the, uh, the word of the year is austerity. Yeah. All this talk about we need to we need we can't afford to to govern countries properly, but we can afford to spend fifty billion on Olympics. I don't think that's a good idea. Well, no, and and the fifty billion is the outlier. I mean, it, that's as much well, as yeah. every other Olympics put together. And I don't yeah. think that Pyeongchang is going to cost fifty billion dollars. Probably more like fifteen to twenty. Yeah, which I mean, still sounds high, but it's not my money, I guess, right? Yeah. Sort of like Let my comment quit. on whenever we talk about whoever makes what on the Canadians. Uh, it's not my money. I'm yeah. not paying them. Except for when I buy really tickets. Quick. Yeah. Uh, before I go, I have one comment about um, the Nicholas Backstrom situation. Yeah. Um, if that doesn't demonstrate the absurdity of trying to enforce these rules, I'm not sure what does. Yeah. Well, there seems to be a lack of. Um, is the word like like due process? I think yeah. There was a lack of due process in this case. I think with Backstrom, where um, well, he wasn't notified. The team wasn't notified. They seemed to be blindsided by it, and. He could take Clariton and play in the NHL. So, uh, yeah, I feel like that's uh, that's a wasted opportunity where maybe it's the IOC being a little bit too headstrong trying to catch doping. And yeah, that's and my, pretty much my opinion on that. And mind you, I'm not I'm not encouraging um, you know uh, stimulant use in, in sports, and that's exceptionally dangerous. You know, anybody can at random have a lower kidney, liver, or cardiac function, yep. take one too many, and over tomorrow it could happen tomorrow so that's not good but at the same time if it is in fact possible for their tests to be triggered by one too many pills caused by dehydration over a couple days that's ridiculous travis thanks so much for the call man really appreciate it yes we'll uh take one more break here on the kaufman show we'll come back and uh we'll hear from mike in st leonard Listening to the Kaufman Show with Dave Kaufman and Jay Farrar, only on TSN 690. Good morning. It's the Kaufman Show on TSN 690. What's with that look, Jimmy? Give me that look again. Like you like what I'm doing. It's his favorite song. Figured out yet, people? Well, we won't spell it out for you, but uh, lost a big one today. 
And uh, this is our small little tribute on the Kaufman Show. I got you, baby. I got flowers. Groundhog Day will always be in my, my pantheon of, of comedic films. And, and there are so many others. Caddyshack and obviously Ghostbusters. and The, the list goes on and on, but uh, Harold Ramis will be missed. And I know you feel it too. I do. Ghostbusters is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I believe one of the f- best comedy scripts ever written for the movies. I really mean that. And people yeah, say, I, feel come that on. Way, I feel that way about Groundhog they say, Day. They say, come on. Well, Groundhog Day is one of the best scripts, period. It doesn't have to be a comedy piece. And everybody says, come on. It's Ghostbusters. It's for kids. Watch the movie again. Watch the movie and listen to the dialogue. And that is just a great screenplay, very intelligent, and just a, a well, well-made movie. My sister and I uh, have said to ourselves many times in the last six months that we feel like we're living Groundhog Day, and uh, today hit home. Yeah, today hit home. Let's uh, let's go to Mike and Saint Leonard before we uh, end off the show tonight with a a little additional tribute. Hey, Mike. Good evening, guys. How, How are, are you? good, man? How are you? Not bad, not bad. Long time no speak. Yeah, nice to hear your voice. Happy New Year. And to you. <laughs> Chinese New Year, right? Yeah, well, whatever it is. Okay. New Year somewhere in there. Happy Greek Easter, too. Yeah, of course. Not yet, Jay. Don't worry. Not yet. You're not in trouble. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> I just want to call in and say hello and say how great a job you guys are doing. Still listening, of course. Oh, I really appreciate that. I wish you guys would go longer on the evenings, but I know that's... Uh, that's a whole different political thing. Yeah, but again, you know, I, I said it earlier. I think we have finally figured out the magic recipe of the... It took some time to get the Game Night OT into the Kaufman Show thing smooth. And we were not... We didn't get it right away. Now I think we've got it and we're happy about it. Yeah, it it, 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 it's, it is a better transition because what you guys have done is basically turn the first hour into the Kaufman Show. Shh! <laughs> Come on. Ixnay on the Kaufman <laughs> Show, K. What are you talking about? I do updates <laughs> now, Mike. I know, but it was the best thing you guys did anyways. Um, saying that, yes. <laughs> I wanted to mention, uh, like you mentioned before, the Olympics, for me the highlight definitely was the women's game. I yeah. mean, that, that kind of turned it up. Up until that point, you know, honestly, I wasn't feeling it. It was hmm. like, it's great, we're winning some medals, but that, you know, it brought some excitement that was, I think, was lacking, even on some of the uh, performances of some of the Canadians before that, even though they were winning some gold and silver and bronze, it, it wasn't the same as the excitement that was missing. And even the, the men's game, even at the end, never provided that same kind of excitement, you know? No, the excitement was, was the heart-stoppingness of the Latvia game. Yeah, well, oh boy, Ted Nolan, that would have been... That would have been payback on a, yeah. on a level that we've never seen. Eh? <laughs> You're that's, absolutely right. That's one of the the hidden aspects. You know, it's not only one. You know, I like to call it the redemption of Carey Price. You know, during this Olympics, you know, everybody's now saying, "Well, you know, you still like Halak over Price," and I think it's the very same thing for Ted Nolan. Sure. I think he proved what a great oh, hockey yeah. coach oh, he yeah, is. Absolutely. And you know what? And I'm going to admit this, and you can crucify me if you want. You can execute me. You can burn me in effigy. But I was kind of rooting for Latvia me at too. a certain point. Me too. And I hate to be that guy. And I, I don't, don't want to be say that it guy. too loud. But yeah. I don't want to be the devil's advocate. That was I don't... a great story. It was and, such yeah. an incredible performance by that goaltender. That... I'm not trying to be a contrarian or no. anything like that. I was honestly rooting for Latvia. I wouldn't have mind me. if Latvia had won that game. The thing that scared me, Jay, is if Latvia had won that game. We would have talked about that game for the next four years on the radio. It would be the greatest upset in sports history. Yeah, but it happened to Canada. 
Yeah. It, it, and during the game, I wrote to uh, to Max uh, Max the Guru that I had visions of Canada, Italy, and I know that World <laughs> Cup of Baseball doesn't compare, the World Baseball Classic doesn't compare to the Olympics, yeah. but it was like when Italy beat Canada. And yeah. Max, I sent that to Max, and he wrote back, and he said, "Check my earlier tweet." And I looked back to before the game, and he wrote, "Never have I been as co- I haven't been this confident about a game since Canada played Italy." <laughs> right? Oh, did he say that? <laughs> and that was the thing, you know that if. Latvia had somehow, you know what, they weren't far, just one more goal and one less save, and Latvia wins that game, and had they done that, it would have it made the miracle on ice look like uh, the interesting thing that happened on ice. Absolutely. That's what it would have changed the totally, name to. Totally. Do you believe in interesting things that happen Heaven on ice? This is interesting. <laughs> Mike, thanks so much for the call. Please don't be a stranger, man. We miss you. You bet, guys. Thank have you. a good one. Uh, before we wrap up tonight, I think uh, we're going to play... Uh, I'm going to play a little clip from Groundhog Day, Jay. Hope you don't mind. Absolutely not. S- say your goodnights now. Well, good night, everyone. I'm actually going to go home and uh, throw that on the Blu-ray, I think. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I'm uh, I'm not, but oh, I okay. uh, I don't have a Blu-ray. Oh, you don't? No. No, okay. No, well, I then throw a... it on the DVD player or VCR or whatever it, it, you got I'll, going I'll on I'll check there. Netflix. I'll see if it's on the Netflix. Okay. Or, or I'll I'm go. You know sure what I'll do? Is. I've got Caddyshack at home. I'll go watch Caddyshack. There you go. Or Ghostbusters. Have a good night, everybody. Uh podcast up at the Kaufmanshow.podbean.com. Stay tuned for uh, a little clip here, then Plaskett, then ESPN Radio Overnight. Good night, everyone. I'm sorry? What was that again? I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. I don't think. Because you survived a car wreck? You folks ready to order? I didn't just survive a wreck. I wasn't just blown up yesterday. I have been stabbed, shot, Poisoned, frozen, hung, electrocuted, and burned. Oh, really? And every morning I wake up without a scratch on me, not a dent in the fender, I am an immortal. Special today is blueberry waffles. Why are you telling me this? Because I want you to believe in me. You're not a god. You can take my word for it. This is 12 years of Catholic school talking. I could come back if you're not ready. How do you know I'm not a god? Oh, please. How do you know? Because it's not possible. I'll come back. Doris. This is Doris. Her brother-in-law, Carl, owns this diner. She's worked here since she was 17. More than anything else in her life, she wants to see Paris before she dies. Oh, boy, what a... What are you doing? This is Debbie Kleiser and her fiancé, Fred. Do I know you? They're supposed to be getting married this afternoon, but Debbie is having second thoughts. What? Lovely ring. This is Bill. He's been a waiter for three years since he left Penn State and had to get work. He likes the town, he paints toy soldiers, and he's gay. I am. (laughs) This is Gus. He hates his life here. He wishes he stayed in the Navy. Well, I could have retired on half pay after 20 years. Excuse me? Is this some kind of trick? Well, maybe the real God uses tricks. You know, maybe he's not omnipotent. He's just been around so long, he knows everything. Oh, okay. Well, who's that? This is Tom. He worked in the coal mine until they closed it down. And her? It's Alice. Came over here from Ireland when she was a baby. She lived in Erie most of her life. He's right. And her? Nancy. She works in the dress shop and makes noises like a chipmunk when she gets real excited. Hey! It's true. How do you know these people? I told you, I know everything. In about five seconds, a waiter's gonna drop a tray of dishes. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay? Okay, that's enough. What about me, Phil? Do you know me too? I know all about you. 
You like producing, but you hope for more than Channel 9 Pittsburgh. Well, everyone knows that. You like boats, but not the ocean. You go to a lake in the summer with your family up in the mountains. There's a long wooden dock and a boathouse with boards missing from the roof. And a place you used to crawl underneath to be alone. You're a sucker for French poetry and rhinestones. You're very generous. You're kind to strangers and children. And when you stand in the snow, you look like an angel. How are you doing this? I told you, I wake up every day right here, right in Punxsutawney, and it's always February 2nd. And there's nothing I can do about it. If you still can't believe me, listen. In, in 10 seconds, Larry is going to come through that door and take you away from me. But you can't let him. Please believe me. You've got to believe me. You guys ready? We better get going if we're gonna stay ahead of the weather. What's that? We're gonna stay ahead of the weather. Groundhog Day director Harold Ramis, rest in peace. Groundhog Day director. Harold Ramis, rest in peace. Listen up, kid, it's not what you think. Stayed out too late, had a little too much to drink. Walk home, cross the bridge when the marquee shut down. There's a reason that I love this town. Nobody cares how much money you have If you've got enough to get in a cab There'll be drinks on the house if your house burns down There's a reason that I love this town I saw your band in the early days We all understand Shot the shit with miniature Tim. If he needs a tune, then I'll write one for him. We like the same books and we like the same sounds. There's a reason that I love this town. I played a show in Kelowna last year. Said, Pick it up, Joel. We're dying in here. Picture one hand clapping, then picture half that sound. There's a reason that I hate that town If you saw my band In the early days Then you Down in our suit, some French restaurant. I 
to the Kaufman Show on TSN 690. On behalf of Jay Farrar, I'm Dave Kaufman. We'll see you next Monday night. What'd that sound like?